Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined as always by Terry in Minnesota with me and Bob in Virginia. We are three distinct voices bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into the conversation. We want you to join in the conversation. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leaving a message there. You may also email us at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Please remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share with one person. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house in Minnesota in the Midwest. But now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations will be a light for you as they are for us. Now, let us begin this week's conversation. Welcome to this episode of Strange Catholics Podcast. This episode is going to be all about St. Joseph, at least after we get through Bob's first cup of coffee. Our main focus will be on the year of St. Joseph, why that's important for us. We're going to talk about this great solemnity of St. Joseph that's on March 19th. Terry's going to do a St. Spotlight on St. Joseph to take it away with opening prayer. We'll turn it over to Deacon Terry. Thank you, Phil. Good evening, gentlemen. Good to be with you once again. Let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible man, St. Joseph, who was the foster father of Jesus. We thank you for all fathers who are the great protectors or should be the great protectors of their children. We thank you and praise your holy name for all the blessings you bestow in our lives with fathers, grandfathers, and fatherly men who lead us and guide us. We just ask as we now begin our podcast that uh, you use the three of us as vessels of your holy word and let your light shine through our words to all those listening today. And we pray all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I get the chance to riff here for a short period of time in this first cup of coffee thing, so I'm going to riff. So this is what bothers me this week. Okay. I went to Mass last Sunday, beautiful Mass. However, I'm not going to say where. It was in the local area here, and um, we had a priest who just gave just an an awful homily, just awful. And it just reminded me once again, and especially during Lent, when we're asking people to renew and to come back and to, you know, to, to, you know, maybe be more attentive to the message, try to be more attentive to the message during this time and all this other stuff that as homilists that you guys are, I'm not a homilist now, but you've heard plenty of homilies from me um, during school that it is so important for us to have good homilies, right? Good messages, messages that are current, messages that connect, messages that give us a plan, that give us something to do, something to work on. As we go forward today, we want you to remember this and this, and let's do this. Let's go out and do this. Those types of things, right? This priest, it was just like short sentences, and it was like 10 different topics, not one central topic. It was just, and I'm just, 
And plus he went on for about 17 or 18 minutes, you know, and for Catholics after about 12 minutes, we're, we're falling asleep in the pew already. Cause we, you know, we're conditioned to that seven to 12 minutes maybe and stuff like that. So I just wanted to riff about that to just reemphasize how important it is that being in that position to be blessed, to give homilies, to give that message, to be able to synthesize that week's readings and, and put it into a coherent message for the, for the congregation and something productive, instructive, so on, and just how important it is to get that right and how much damage you can do and turn people off where my wife and I are like, okay, so is he like every other Saturday? Because we're going to go on the other Saturdays and we'll get the other guy and then we'll maybe go to, you know what I mean? It's, it's, he's, he's not, he's that bad. Is he pretty consistent bad like that? Yeah, it's consistently bad. And That's I don't think unfortunate. He, I don't think he means to be I mean, I just no. I and I've heard some really bad ones. I mean, he's not I don't know, I've heard much worse. So I can just I mean, he's just not the worst. But um you know, it's just he talks and at the end of he's one of those guys at the end where you're like, So what was the main point again? Okay. And, and it's and I think maybe I'm more critical, right? I think we can be more critical. Sure. Uh, but I'm also somebody who had to like, you know, pray and, and read and listen and kind of come up with and bring a main point out of, out of some of the text and say, okay, now I got to build something around this. So I know what that process is, you know? That's so I, I just, I just want to, and you guys preach on a regular basis. So you can speak to this as well of how important it is to not lose your audience and how much damage that can do if if you don't have them with you and you're con and they're listening to you as you convey that message. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and part of it, I mean, you always want to make it relatable to the people you're preaching to. So, you know. Uh, maybe you don't do the deep exegesis all the time. Maybe you do that, you know, less frequently just because that's what's palatable by the parishioners. But you're still trying to bring that that point to how the readings relate to something and what's going on in their life. And I don't always have three takeaways or a number, but there's always something, right? Uh, so I do preach this weekend so I can speak a little bit about this because no one's going to hear it till after I preach. But God is working even when we might not know it. So the reading from First Chronicles where we see the restoration of the temple, Jesus talking to Nicodemus in the darkness, but exposing him to the light, drawing us back to the serpent in the desert and how that healed the thing that caused pain healed them. Same thing if we draw upon the mystery of Christ and his crucifixion, how that brings about our healing. In the priest defense, playing, you know, the other side of the coin here, you know, I, I will tip my hat to priests because 
you know, they have to come up with a homily not only for the weekend congregation, but also the weekday masses as well. I don't know at this particular church, Bob, you know, if they have a Monday through Friday or Tuesday through Friday or whatever dynamic they have going on for weekdays. You know, I just I just know in my experience in my job, uh, you know, hearing our priests talk about, you know, uh, coming up with the homilies each and every day, as well as coming up with something for the weekend. So it is challenging. However, you still that that's no excuse. You still do have to make it relatable. Now, for me personally, preaching is, and breaking open the word is so far uh, one of the most favorite things that I get to do as a deacon. Um, you know, uh, other things may may change as, as I progress in my ministry. I'm about a year, a little and a couple of months behind Phil and his ministry. He was ordained a full year before I was. But uh, for me, you know, breaking open the word is uh, such an honored place to be. And I just remember our homiletics professor stating to us one of the main reasons that Catholics say in an exit interview why they left the church was bad preaching. So, Charles, if you're listening, shout out to you, buddy. And by the way, there do not have to give a homily every day. That is not a requirement. Correct. But sure. they do. But they, they don't do. have to, right? They don't have to. It's not a requirement. You know, listen, I mean, we all have our own style, right? Uh, I think Terry's a great homilist. I mean, some of your homilies have just been incredible. And I think Phil, Phil's as well. But, but, you know, Phil's, you know, Phil's a, you know, a teacher. He, he, he likes to instruct, you know, my style was more like, hey, I know this guy named Jim. We're talking about the leper, right? And my guy, this is my, I know a guy named Jim and he's a friend of mine and, you know, I I always I related sometimes to social justice things and how remember I talked about people in the shadows, how we treated them like lepers, you know, these types of things, you know, so we all have a different style. But I think that we were all actively trying to maybe it's because we we're all just trying to get a good grade. But we were all trying to. Uh, we, were, we were trying to put together something that was interesting and still con and conveyed a message. Right. So. Um, and I, and I, listen, Terry, I acknowledge that, you know, what, when you're a priest and you got to do it potentially every day and every weekend, right. It's, it's, a, you know, it can get to be a, a tough task. And I've seen, I've, listen, I've had parish priests who on certain weekends get up and start giving the, and I go, I've heard that before. So he just rolled out the same one he gave last year during this sure, weekend. Sure. So, so really, some of those things they just use over and over again. That's not a bad thing. And that's my riff for this week. Thank you, Bob. Interesting topic. Terry and I were discussing about what to do for the main topic, and Terry suggested we should do the main topic on Saint Joseph, and. Although this is the year of St. Joseph, St. Joseph admittedly does not get a lot of love, as we were talking about in the pre-show. Although one of my favorite venerables, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, 
would always sign on his chalkboard JMJ for Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. There isn't, there wasn't a lot of, you know, pouring over a lot of things. Alfonso, St. Alphonsus Liguori has some beautiful reflections and insight into St. Joseph's life, but a lot of the, like the nitty gritty details are all from apocryphal texts that are not in our canon of scripture. So, you know, there's a little bit to that. But anyways, St. This is the year of St. Joseph. It was declared by Pope Francis, and it began December 8th of 2020 and goes until December 8th of 2021. And I thought it was an interesting glimpse into why Pope Francis made this the year of St. Joseph. He said, uh, not only because this is the 150th anniversary of St. Joseph's proclamation as the patron of the Universal Church by Pope Pius IX in December 8th, 1870, but he also said, because of the coronavirus pandemic, there is this heightened desire to reflect on St. Joseph as so many people during the pandemic have made hidden sacrifices to protect others, just as St. Joseph quietly protected and cared for Mary and Jesus. Quote, each of us can discover in Joseph, the man who goes unnoticed, a daily discreet and hidden pres presence, an intercessor, a support and a guide in times of trouble. Close quote. He also wanted to highlight St. Joseph's role as father who served his family with charity and humility, adding, our world today needs fathers. And I know we definitely need fathers in our country, and I'm sure it's pretty true around the world that there's, we need that um, presence of fathers to really come out. And there's, a, I think, a hunger for this year of St. Joseph, there's not an overabundance of information that's out there on St. Joseph. I don't know if Terry saw the same kind of thing, but it wasn't like an overabundance of information that was out there. But what I did see was just some beautiful insights. And so we're going to share a couple of those with you. I won't go too deep again because uh, Terry's going to cover a lot in the St. Spotlight, but a couple things that I was surprised by when I first started doing research, well, I might have started two weeks ago, but because I wanted to talk a little bit about St. Joseph on this great feast uh, that we have coming up March 19th. By the way, you can relax your fast on March 19th because that is a solemnity. I didn't want to forget to mention that. So something that I thought was really interesting is that St. Joseph, there's kind of two schools. There's either an, uh, an elderly St. Joseph and there's a young. and there isn't because there isn't a ch church declaration on whether he was 111, 90 some, or in his 40s when he died, whatever it might have been, um, we can hold either one. And so I, I thought that was just an interesting perspective to think of St. Joseph as a young person. I recognize why, um, you know, there are many times where some of the early church fathers would reference him as much older. But there isn't anything that says definitively St. Joseph was really old or St. Joseph maybe wasn't as old. Um, so I, I just thought that was a really neat picture to think of a much younger St. Joseph um, living that unique call to be the husband of Mary and to help raise the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, you know, teaching him about, you know, his trade that he that he did. Again, I don't want to go too deep into things that Terry's going to talk about, but I, th I just thought that was such a unique call because I guess in my mind, I always thought of him as old, probably just from my own ignorance thinking, oh, how could a young man ever 
call himself to be chased, right? I guess that was always part of my, that was always just part of my thing. And uh, Christopher West on the Ask Christopher West podcast illuminated for me something very different in that, hey, we're all called to different things and God can give us the grace to overcome whatever it might be. So if we're called to this life of chastity with our spouse who is Mary, the mother of God, do we not think that God could give enough graces to allow that to happen? And really, after some reflection and prayer, it was like, well, of course, you know. And so there were a number of writings that noted that Joseph, not at the time of conception, but still in utero before he was born, was actually given special graces to not commit mortal sin and to not intentionally commit venial sin. Again, this is a small t tradition. This isn't something that the church says you have to believe this, but I just thought it was a unique way to look at St. Joseph. We know that he's this great intercessor for us, and I know there are some practices that people will do sometimes with the statue of St. Joseph, but really an even better way would be to reverence him in your home and to do a consecration to St. Joseph, especially in this year of St. Joseph. I will link to some of those things. And just find a better way to get to know this holy saint in prayer and and ask him to help you, especially in times of trials. Here he is, this uh, taking the Holy Family out of a very tumultuous situation, trying to get Mary and Jesus over into Egypt. Uh, There's a lot of ways that Joseph was called upon to act heroically and valiantly, and I just, I've grown a much greater fervent love for St. Joseph. So what you're telling me, Phil, is that on that Friday, the Feast of St. Joseph, I can go to McDonald's and have my burger and Coke and fries that day? Sure. As long as you're chased. I thought you were giving up soda. <laughs> I was, but you said we could relax. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, how does... How does Phil? How does Phil go? Well, I just can't compare with Saint Joseph because he was chased. Phil's got eight kids. <laughs> this is no comparison. We're all called to different paths. Yeah, yeah, obviously. But Phil is our model here in the modern world for Saint Joseph and great fatherhood. Let's just oh, say I'm, the I'm so far away. Portion. Right, that's not the chase portion. Just not the chase portion. Hey, there's chaste portions in marriage, okay? There are chaste periods of time. <laughs> Tune in next week for that episode of the podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> Phil, can, Phil will be discussing next week. No, uh, St. Joseph, what a tremendous <laughs> example of fatherhood. Um, and we will can get into this a little bit too in, in just a little bit in the Saint Spotlight, but... What a shining example of of taking the Son of God into his home and Mary and being that great protector of them both. Just an awesome example of even for myself as a now as a grandpa of, you know, how a man should stand up and protect his family. Bob, thoughts? Hey, I'm just. So first of all, I'm not going to self-promote the section that I talk because I just don't need to do that shameless self-promotion. But uh, I think St. Joseph gets a bad rap, right? Because, you know, it's a tough life, man, if you're St. Joseph. And he handled it beautifully, wonderfully, you know, like a saint should. 
Now, you know, he's like what we talked about. He's not really Jesus's father, but he's like the earthly father, right? He's sort of like what we talked about. So he's sort of like Superman's father on earth, right? Because, you know, Superman's got, you know, another father yep. on, on Krypton. Earl Ford, well, Glenn Ford was his father here on earth, right? Oh, it was Glenn Ford in the movie. Um, so, but, uh, so, I mean... St. Joseph, see, this is the this is the weird thing about St. Joseph, right? We have a year of St. Joseph, but when you talk to people in your parish, you're like going, hey, it's the year of St. Joseph. They're like, what? It's what? You know, because a lot of people aren't paying attention, you know, the rank and file folks. And this is part of why we need to get this out there about, you know, maybe we should have this campaign, you know, to like promote St. Joseph, maybe St. Joseph for president and do this kind of thing, because I don't think people are really understanding or appreciating St. Joseph. Though that's what's so weird about it. There's statues of St. Joseph everywhere. If I need to sell my house, St. Joseph's helping me doing that. Lots of different things for St. Joseph, right? And and there's churches and schools and all kinds of hospitals. St. Joseph's everywhere. But but when you if you were to ask people in the pews, they'd say Jesus and Mary, <laughs> and maybe they'd get to Joseph and they'd be like distance third way over there, you know? So I think it's tough for St. Joseph. So I, I feel that pain. So I'm glad we were giving him some love during this podcast. Yeah, we got to give him some love. I wanted to close out this section if I can with, uh, a prayer before work to St. Joseph, the worker. I know this is not the feast of St. Joseph, the, St. Joseph the Worker, but I thought this is a beautiful prayer, and I know I've heard it, uh, Drew Mariani do this prayer many times on Relevant Radio. O glorious St. Joseph, model of all those who are devoted to labor, obtain for me the grace to work in a spirit of penance for the expiation of my many sins, to work conscientiously, putting the call of duty above my natural inclinations, to work with thankfulness and joy considering it an honor to employ and develop by means of labor the gift received from God, to work with order, peace, moderation, and patience, never shrinking from weariness and trials, to work above all with purity of intention and detachment from self, keeping unceasingly before my eyes death and the account that I must give of time lost, talents unused, good omitted, and vain complacency and success, so fatal to the work of God. All for Jesus, all through Mary, all after thy example, O patriarch St. Joseph, such shall be my watchword in life and in death. Amen. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Stay with us. And we're back, and shockingly, it's time for St. Spotlight, and we're going to talk about St. Joseph. Terry? Thanks, Bob. Yes, uh, St. Joseph, once again, feast day is March 19th. He is the patron saint of, as Phil said, the Universal Church. He is also the patron saint of unborn children, fathers, workers, travelers, immigrants, patron saint of fighting communism, and a happy death. He is also the unofficial patron saint against doubt and hesitation. I have a great devotion to uh, St. Joseph as uh, he, St. Joseph or Joseph was uh, my father-in-law's 
middle name and uh, what again, another wonderful example of a great father. Uh, unlike our usual saint that we spotlight every week, everything we know about the husband of Mary and the foster father of Jesus comes from scripture. And that has seemed too little for those who have made up legends about him. The only time we really hear about him in scripture is during the birth narrative and the subsequent readings during the Christmas season. St. Joseph truly is the silent figure of the New Testament. For instance, the example, or excuse me, the gospel does not record one spoken verse for St. Joseph. Nevertheless, what this great saint did in his life for God speaks volumes. To appreciate him and his role in salvation, we need to glean the Gospels. Now, according to Catholic Encyclopedia, the apocryphal date for Joseph's birth uh, by this one source was 90 BC in Bethlehem, and the apocryphal date of his death is the 20th of July in 18 AD in Nazareth. The Bible tells us very little of St. Joseph, but from the early chapters of Matthew and Luke, we glean that he was a carpenter by trade, a just and pious man, and a most excellent husband and father. By saying Joseph was just, the Bible means that he was one who was completely open to all that God wanted to do for him. He became holy by opening himself totally to God. The genealogy given in the Gospel of Matthew traces his line from Abraham and King David. In accordance with the Jewish ritual, he was betrothed to the Virgin Mary, who was also of the race of David. Several nativity icons show Joseph being tempted by the devil to break off his betrothal and describe how he resists that temptation. Other images depict his staff as topped with flowers, possibly based on the non-canonical account in the Pro-Evangelion of James and how and of how Mary's spouse was chosen. That same account speaks eloquently of Joseph's agony upon discovering Mary's pregnancy. He struck his face and threw himself on the ground in sackcloth and wept bitterly. Who has set this trap for me? Who stole the virgin from me and defiled her? Has not the story of Adam been repeated with me? For while Adam was glorifying God, the serpent came and found Eve alone and deceived her and defiled her. So it has also happened to me. This account goes on to say that Joseph himself was accused of illicit sex with Mary and was banished for a period of time to the desert as a result. While St. Luke's gospel focuses on the Annunciation to Mary, St. Matthew's gospel focuses on St. Joseph. Now remember that in Jewish society, when a couple became formally engaged, declaring their intent before two witnesses, they were considered married as husband and wife. After one year, usually the groom went to the home of the bride with a great ceremony and brought her to his own home, 
where they consummated the marriage and lived together as husband and wife. This tradition is the basis for the parable of the five foolish bridesmaids in Matthew chapter 25. Since St. Joseph did not yet know God's plan, but knew his wife was pregnant, not by himself, the gospel reads that he decided to divorce her quietly. According to the Torah laws, St. Joseph could have even had Mary stoned to death for infidelity. Nevertheless, the angel of the Lord appeared to St. Joseph in a dream, revealed to him that Mary had conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and commanded that he take Mary as his wife and Jesus as his own son. Without question or hesitation, St. Joseph did as the angel commanded. Here again, we see the important role of Joseph. He is to take Jesus as his own son and to name him, thereby giving him legal recognition. He accepted St. Joseph did accept his responsibility of his vocation, being the faithful spouse and father. He provided the best he could for his family, whether that meant the stable in Bethlehem or the home in Nazareth. Although the Gospels recount hardly any information about the Holy Family's life in Nazareth, they were a people of modest means. When St. Joseph and Mary present Jesus at the temple, they offer two turtle doves as a sacrifice, an exception made for poorer families who could not afford the usual offering of a lamb. Although St. Joseph was not the physical father of Jesus, he was a father in every other sense of the word. Again, as a good Jewish father, he was responsible for the religious education of his son, including teaching him to read the sacred scriptures. St. Joseph must have been a fine masculine example for Jesus, considering that God, the Father, had entrusted his son to the care of St. Joseph. Finally, Jesus must have loved and respected Joseph and Mary very much, for the Gospel reads, after finding in the temple the child Jesus, Jesus returned to Nazareth and was obedient to them. That comes from the second chapter of Luke. In all, he selflessly set aside his own needs for the good of his family. Although veneration of St. Joseph seems to have begun in Egypt, the earliest Western devotion to him dates from the early 14th century when the Servites, an order of the mendicant friars, observed his feast on March 19th, the traditional day of his death. Among the subsequent promoters of the devotion were Pope Sixtus IV, who introduced it at Rome about 1479 and celebrated the celebrated 16th century mystic, St. Teresa of Avila. Already patron of Mexico, Canada, and Belgium, Joseph was declared patron of the Universal Church by Pope Pius IX in eight. 1870, and Wednesdays in March were set for special devotion to him. In 1955, Pope Pius XII established the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker on May 1st as a counter-celebration to the Communists' May Day. And that, gentlemen, is St. Joseph. St. Joseph. 
pray for us. Pray for us. So I wanted to go hearken back to the younger St. Joseph only because I didn't elicit all of my all of my resources for that. So St. Jerome held that St. Joseph was, died a virgin and not a widower. Also, St. Athanasius and St. Gregory Nazianzus, all of them taught that Joseph, like Mary, was a perpetual vision, virgin and not a widower. So the old Joseph belief came from those apocryphal texts that I talked about earlier. So I just think that younger St. Joseph really changed my depiction of what, you know, I, all of the images I think I've ever seen were old St. Joseph's, but the earlier art of St. Joseph showed him as a youthful man. So I, I just thought that was an interesting perspective to think of St. Joseph as much younger. Absolutely. There's a children's aspirin named after him, so I trust him. Um, <laughs> great, great logic, Bob. I will just tell you that I love Nazareth's music. Love Hurts is an outstanding song. So you kept saying Nazareth all the time, and I just kept thinking of that 19, was it 1990s song or 1980s song, Jerry? Nazareth, Nazareth. was 80s. Yeah, that's a rock group of the 1980s. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> oh, well, okay. <laughs> they probably were more famous than St. Joseph at that time, if you ask people. That's why I think St. Joseph gets a bad rap. He needs he needs more pub. There was a lot of, there's a lot of divine intervention, right? So if St. Joseph wasn't a great human being and an adequate earthly father for Jesus, you know, we probably probably wouldn't have stayed in that role, right? So Right. <laughs> yep. So and he was pretty close to the flagpole. So can't get any closer to the flagpole really except for Mary, but I mean he's pretty close. So uh, to to think how amazing it would be to be dying and have Jesus and Mary physically at your side. That'd be uh, pretty awesome. Yes, quite remarkable. Unimaginable, actually. So. Yes, totally agree. For us, yeah. Okay. Well, that ends this St. Joseph feast. So, hey, everybody. Please tell us about this podcast, you know, whether you like St. Joseph or not. I mean, you know, we think we've made a case that St. Joseph's really important and you should find out more about St. Joseph. But either way, tell people about how great our podcast is because we talk about a lot of diverse subjects, not just St. Joseph. You can find us on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, every podcast platform out there. Please rate us. You know, St. Joseph would rate us, rate us as you'd rate St. Joseph, like a five, because he was the earthly father of Jesus. So we deserve that as well, uh, at least in, in honor of St. Joseph. So please do that. Um, and leave us, a, leave us a comment. You can, you can leave a comment in those little chat areas, um, you know, on, uh, on the podcast uh, platforms, or the best place to leave us a comment is at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com or leave us a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash strangecatholics. Let us begin. Yeah. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time drawing on that 
beauty, the mystery, the strength of St. Joseph. Help us to draw all of us into a greater devotion of our patron of our holy church, St. Joseph. We ask for a special intercession from St. Joseph for these intentions, for the protection of life from conception till natural death, for all those that are pregnant, struggling to become pregnant, and all those carrying that heavy cross of infertility. Pray for Abby's baby, for protection, healing, peace, and comfort. For all those struggling in their marriages, that they may discover reconciliation, healing, and peace in this great sacrament of service. Pray for all those that suffer from any mental illness or mental issues, that they may receive healing from the divine physician. Pray for Austin with a possible diagnosis of liver, pancreatic, cancer, or leukemia. Guidance for the doctors, that they may be led by the divine physician. Pray for Kathy, who recently had a brain tumor removed for continued healing of her mind, body, and soul. Heavenly Father, we bring all of these prayers before you. Lord, we just open ourselves up to your divine will. Help us to know your will and to live it out more faithfully. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for joining us getting closer to Holy Week. We're going to have another great podcast for you next week. And until then, love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and it helps you dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics to leave a voice message, or you may also send us an email at strange Catholics pod at gmail.com. Links will be in the description. Please share this podcast and this episode with at least one person. This will help get the word out and get more people to join into the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to us. This really helps the podcast get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers and is longing to offer each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day, and may God bless you.